Hello and welcome to the Hacked Off Podcast. In today's episode, it is time for a year in review. It is the end of 2020, if you can believe it. Yeah, okay, it's still November, but we are taking December off here because we've got a new project planned at Sakama. We need to take the time to get that set up so that we can come into 2021 with new interesting things to show you. So we're going to round off for the year. Now, I'm going to do a year in review. But before I get into that, let me talk about why we're taking December off and what we're doing with the time. Um, we're launching a new training service. There's two training courses that we've developed. We've got two more planned for after that. And what we're looking at doing is helping people understand more about penetration testing. So if you're looking at breaking into penetration testing, if you're looking at getting a role as a junior penetration tester, something like that, and you want more hands-on experience, then we will show you the methodology that we use. We'll show you the tools, the techniques, and then ultimately talk you through how penetration testing is delivered. If that's not your bag, if that's not what you're doing, but you work for an organization and you procure penetration testing services and you want to get more out of that service, then the more you understand about it, the more you'll be able to. So looking at things like understanding the process more, getting involved more with the penetration tester, the kinds of testing that we can do and the pros and cons of each kind, and then ultimately and ideally building you up to being able to do some more of your retesting. A lot of organizations, we come in, we do a penetration test for them, give them some remediation advice, they go away, and for some reason it's not completely implemented. You know that sometimes security aspects can be complicated, convoluted, or sometimes just that generic guidance doesn't work for the organization. And instead of having to come in, find out that that uh, issue is still outstanding, we'll train you how to better understand the security vulnerabilities, how testing works, and the remediation advice so you can get more out of that. Ultimately, do your own retesting. That's a cool thing. And then if we come in to do retesting for you to get that third-party validation, everything's good. You're much more confident that uh, the issue will have been remediated. So for anybody who's interested in hacking and defending networks or hacking and defending web applications, those are the two courses that we're launching in January. Um, check sakama.com's events page for the specific dates for which uh, which courses still have slots available and all of that kind of thing. But like I say, we'll run you through from the beginning, from I've never done a pen test before, I've never really worked on this stuff before, right up to being able to do your own basic testing. You're not going to become an expert overnight, but it should be an interesting uh, course content. It should be really, really useful for those people who are looking to move into testing or looking to get more out of testing services. If you're not looking for a paired training course, but you just want to hang out, you just want to learn a little bit more, we're also running some uh, webinars throughout December. We've got four dates booked for uh, effectively a little bit of a preview of the content that we've created. And, and those webinars are going to be free to anyone who wants to listen in. So if you care a little bit about web application or infrastructure security and you want to have a deep dive into a specific vulnerability to see, actually, there's an awful lot to look at, even for common and well-known vulnerabilities. There's a lot of depth to them. Um, check out those webinar sessions as well. So whatever works for you, if you're just looking for something bite-sized to learn a new skill or get some more understanding about vulnerability, or if you want a deep dive into the methodology and how we test, that is coming in January and December. So that is why we're going to take the, the next few weeks off from the podcast to, to get that created. But in this podcast episode, I want to do a year in review. It's 2020. My gosh, uh, the year has been on fire. It's been absolutely hectic. I wanted to take a little bit of a look back at what's happened over the year 
um, lockdown started like a decade ago or something, right? I want to take a look at what we were saying back in January, back in February, what we've talked about, what some of our lessons learned over this year have been. So we started this year, uh, if you think back, for those who've been around for the for the whole year, we started talking about different penetration testing services. One of the first podcasts of the year was with Jenny Radcliffe um, from Human Factor Security talking about physical access pen testing. And we looked through all of the service lines that we offer or that are related to penetration testing in general, starting with physical access testing, walking through web application testing up to the interview we did with Nick Blundell, where we talked about how vulnerability scanners work and more not just looking at like how to click go in a scanner, but what is the scanner actually doing? And how does its engine work? That was Nick Blundell at AppCheck. So we've had some really good uh, interviews this year, but right at the beginning of the year, we had a couple of good interviews and then we went straight down into our series that we called lockdown when we thought that was only going to be a few weeks. I think we planned for lockdown originally to be four weeks. And my gosh, it is November. I remember back in February when we started our lockdown series, one of the things that we were talking about was how does that impact uh, security testing? How does it impact the threat landscape? But also um, how physically can we deliver penetration testing? And I think back then I said something sarcastic like, can we deliver penetration testing remotely? Of course we can. VPNs exist. And what I wanted to do was revisit that and and point something out about... um, really how um, change management has has been affected instead. Um, so two big things I wanted to point out. The first is um, around organizations who made changes to allow for um, working from home and, and then who haven't revisited that. There's there's an awful lot of organizations that, that I spoke to who made major changes, such as, for example, one organization, um, everybody used desktops and to deal with work from home, they issued all of their members of staff laptops. They built those laptops under duress. They didn't use a gold image. They were building them as quickly as they could to get them to staff members so those staff members could work from home. Um, Changes like that, pushing things through as a priority like that, is understandable. It absolutely is understandable. Um, Whilst you're working as a security consultant or working as a penetration tester, we we want to always make it, you know, security first. Security is the biggest priority of the business. But of course, that's not true. The biggest priority of the business is operating as a business and business continuity, making sure that we can sustain the business. Um, And what I wanted to point out here was for all of those changes that you made, be it issuing laptops, be it not building machines using gold images, but building machines ad hoc, maybe it was changes to the VPN, maybe it was cloudifying some services, whatever it was that you did, it would be a really good time to revisit that stuff. A lot of that stuff has been in place for months now, and there might have been some risks that you accepted where you flex that risk appetite a little bit because it was a pandemic and you just had to. And actually that's been in place for nine months now and you really should be looking at those decisions that you made um i am sure that some organizations made a lot of security related decisions that they didn't well document they made changes because they felt that they had to that they were on a short um timeline or they made changes because there was staff unavailability due to the pandemic so this is a really good time to to review that risk register is everything that you did documented have you accepted um risks presuming that they would be short-term and, hey, it turns out it's not short-term, we're still here, um, and, and should you make some adjustments there? Or maybe it's just a case of going back and saying, hey, you know what, we built these machines ad hoc, 
we should look at implementing gold images now. Some organizations are going to be working from home for the long term. Some organizations aren't going to go back to the office. It doesn't really matter. It's been a long time. Let's revisit those risk-based decisions. Um, second thing is um, security awareness training. <laughs> How many organizations have made a change to their security awareness training, given the fact that everybody's working remotely now, given the fact that there is a long-term global pandemic that's been affecting organizations for months? Um, some organizations that I've been talking to this week said that they still haven't made that change. They haven't updated their security awareness training to address some of the change in their organization risk and that they need to get around to that. I understand that completely accept it. Yep. You know what? There's a lot of organizations running in business continuity mode right now and we just get to things when we can get to them. There's some companies that I spoke to who said that they've always had security awareness that covered this eventuality. I don't believe you. I don't believe you that your security awareness training didn't need updating at all to deal with the fact that there's a global pandemic and everybody's working remotely and things are a little bit on fire right now. If you think that's the case, you probably should uh, look at your security awareness training. What are we doing to deal with things like um, everybody working from home? I'll give you a good example of what I mean by this. It's going to be the fact that um, not everybody's work from home environment is the same. I'm pretty lucky here. I've got a room that I've dedicated to working from home. Got a nice office desk set up. Got split screen monitors, mechanical keyboard. I am set for the long term. I've spoken to some people who are balancing laptops on the end of their kitchen table because they don't have a dedicated workspace. I've spoken to some people who live with housemates and their companies are telling them that they must make sure that they can take calls confidentially and no one can overhear them. And they're thinking there's four housemates in the same studio apartment here. It's not really feasible for us to um, have those conversations without anyone overhearing. Um apartment buildings that are not built to the greatest standards and have very thin walls and your neighbors can hear everything. So as an organization, you should be looking at that stuff. Security awareness training, looking at the environment that your staff are working in. Is it secure? Um, and then visiting things like what networks are they connecting to? What devices are they using? Do they understand the risks of uh, using personal devices and those kinds of things? So, hey, we're in lockdown for the long term now. We should revisit some of those decisions that we made. We should update some of our documentation and we should probably plan to be here for a little while longer at least. So now that we've settled into lockdown for the long term, everybody is comfortably working from home. We've updated our security awareness training to deal with the global pandemic. We've revisited those risks, starting to build laptops from gold images and those kinds of things. Um, what kinds of attacks do we need to worry about? Well, uh, ransomware and phishing is still a thing, right? I remember mentioning uh, earlier in the year something that I wanted to revisit. I said, why don't attackers do cool things? Because attackers will do what works, and that is still the case. And now that everybody's remote and we're staying here for the long term, that hasn't impacted ransomware. That hasn't made ransomware become any less of a risk. And so we need to worry about those kinds of things. We need to worry about our network infrastructure and we need to worry about doing things like um, internal infrastructure pen tests. I know there's a lot of companies out there who have pushed back internal infrastructure pen tests because it's always felt like a thing that needed the tester to be on site. Um, it doesn't, of course, VPNs exist. That was something I sarcastically said previously in the year. We can do internal infrastructure testing remotely. And I think for some organizations, they push that, push that 
network security testing later into the year because they were dealing with business continuity, because they were dealing with enabling staff members to work from home. And well, you know what? It's been months and months and months and that work that you pushed back, it's maybe now time to revisit it. Some organizations maybe aren't thinking of their um, internal office architecture because everybody's at home and don't think about the office a lot. So if that's the case, maybe it's time to get it pen tested. Or alternatively, if you are kind of balancing on the edge of making that decision of actually everybody's just going to work remotely, everybody's going to work from home forever now, we're shutting down the office space, now is a great time to be planning how that architectural change will impact your business so that you don't get caught out as the IT team when the company one day says, yeah, we're going to shut down all of the businesses and suddenly we're making emergency changes again without any good change management or any good plan in place. Maybe you should start looking at things like, hey, nobody's in the office. We could shut some of that infrastructure down. Nobody's in the office. We could turn the Wi-Fi off. Or if you're looking at things like flexible working, you're going to do a couple of days a week in the office. Maybe it's time to start looking at things like behavioral analysis and, and updating all that kind of thing. Earlier in the year, I did uh, two podcasts, one starting from scratch and the other one, an interview with Kevin Fielder, where I talked about uh, building security teams. And he told us all of the lessons that he has learned over many years working in security about building security teams and culture. And well, if you're making some major change to the way that the business operates, shutting an office down, uh, moving to co-location space, or everybody's working from home forever from now on, maybe now's the time to think, if we're going to build this new way of working, let's do it right. Let's, you know, go fully into it and see, take as a fresh start and see how we can build security um, from the ground up instead of dealing with all of that tech debt that I know a lot of organizations have had to deal with over years and years and years. One of the things that Kevin Fielder said in that podcast interview was when you're starting security from scratch, you should um, get to understand the business. You should understand the team and you should understand the pain points. And I think now is a really good time to reiterate that and say, you know what, there's a lot of people who are working during a global pandemic. We're not just working from home. We're working under duress right now. We're working in a pandemic and it sucks. And I bet there's a lot of people on the team who who have those pain points. There's a lot of people on the team who are doing things that they wouldn't normally do. If your organization has furloughed staff, for example, the things that that staff member did don't necessarily go away. Maybe other members of the team are picking up some of their responsibilities. So it would be a great idea to look at those things for, does that person need additional security awareness training? Is that person uh, understanding the security implications of that role? How is the, the team set out now? Or if, like I say, you're just building things from scratch, then that's a great opportunity to, to revisit a lot of those long-standing security decisions. I, I definitely think if the takeaway from this podcast is nothing more than please read your risk register and see what's been on there for a very long time, um, then I would be more than happy with that. Um, one of the things, whilst I mentioned risk registers, if you have been writing down all of the changes that you've made to your network over the, the lockdown period, all of the changes that you made to allow people to work remotely and that kind of thing, um, did you also write on it when you should revisit those decisions? It's really easy. And I think anyone who's worked in risk management for a long time knows it's really easy for things to get added to the risk register and then never taken off again. The risk just gets accepted. It never gets revisited. It'd be a great time to go down that list and start adding. When are you going to revisit those, those issues? If it's not now, then when? 
because we made a lot of decisions under duress and we made a lot of decisions for in not ideal circumstances. Uh, interesting decision that we, we spoke about earlier in the year, though, reaching back into what have we covered this year. I spoke to James McKinley earlier in the year, right at the beginning of the year, in fact, about um, his decision to turn antivirus off. That was definitely an interesting one. If you haven't listened to that podcast, um, the justification there wasn't necessarily uh, what you think it would be. It certainly wasn't what I thought it would be when we originally booked that podcast in. Um, but just take it as inspiration to revisit some of those decisions that you made and see is that still appropriate for the business. James took a really interesting step of taking a traditional security protection and just, well, throwing it out, turning antivirus off. That doesn't mean that that business just operates at risk from malicious software now. Of course, the risk was mitigated through other means. There isn't only one way to address a security vulnerability. Um, if you have a weakness in a system, that weakness could be addressed through something like a software patch, or it could be addressed with a compensating control or something to reduce the risk, or it could be offset through insurance. I'm not going to judge you how you set up your organization, be it um, implementing the fix, be it mitigating it through compensating controls, or be it using uh, cyber insurance or whatever. Your organization, you know it better than me. I'm just highlighting the fact that you've got a lot of options and now's a great time to revisit some of those. <laughs> Maybe now is a great time to revisit that, why I turned antivirus off podcast and see if that was still a great decision. Or maybe for your business, that's the kind of innovative approach that you should be taking. Read the backstory on that one though. Don't, don't just take that as me recommending you turn antivirus off. You should control that risk through some mechanism at least. And finally, we had Mike Koss on the podcast. Mike's been on a couple of times now, um, talking all things old school hacking right up to the latest developments. And earlier this year, we had Mike on the podcast. In the podcast episode entitled Hear No Evil, See No Evil, where we talked about um, the next phishing scams that we were looking at, um, deep learning, machine learning, and specifically... Uh, fake audio and fake video content. Why is it a great time to revisit that podcast now? Because, well, phishing hasn't gone away and phishing is developing. A lot of organizations, a lot of security awareness training certainly considers phishing no more than, well, there might be a malicious link or there might be a malicious email attachment and we'll say something generic like, oh, make sure that the link is HTTPS or don't open attachments that you weren't expecting um, and little else in the way of security awareness training. Security awareness training is very frequently nowhere near as good as it should be. But in that podcast episode, we looked at um, deep fakes for phishing. So can we um, fake a phone call with somebody? Can we fake a video call with somebody? Not necessarily at the level yet where we can do real-time video generation content, but that doesn't mean you can't trick somebody over a video call. And that doesn't mean you can't use deep fakes to set up a phone call where the person thinks they are talking to somebody important. They think they're talking to the CEO or something like that because it sounds like the CEO or with video content, it might even look like the CEO. But actually, it's a social engineering attack. It's just a social engineering attack that uses the, the cutting edge of uh, machine learning and, and deep fake content. That stuff has happened previously. If you didn't see that episode, we, we talked about how a voice deep fake was used 
all the way back in September of 2019 to scam an organization, to scam a CEO out of a quarter of a million dollars. It was an impressive uh, attack because of how effective it was. So um, if you are revisiting your security awareness training to make sure that everybody's up to date on how their role has changed, how their responsibilities has changed and how the threat landscape has changed, maybe talking about deep fakes would be something to just throw in there so that people are at least aware that they're a thing. And that's it. That's my year in review. We had some some great podcast interviews on. So if you, if you join the podcast later in the year, in the very least, I would recommend going back and checking out um, some of the interviews that we had, be it Kevin Fielder, be it Mike Koss, be it Jenny Radcliffe, some really, really great guests throughout the year. We've had a hell of a year with lockdown, with global pandemics, with people's roles changing, with the way that we work changing. We've made some maybe awful change management, risk management decisions, Time to revisit those. Time to build those machines from gold images. Time to do your internal infrastructure pen testing. And of course, time to look forward to 2021. In 2021, we're going to be launching our new uh, training courses. We've got um, hacking and defending networks and hacking and defending web applications. So if those sound interesting, head over to sakama.com. Check out the events page. We've got the uh, webinars doing a deep dive into one of the training course modules coming in December. Those are free to attend if you're interested. We can hang out. We'll talk about hacking. It'll be awesome. And then in January, we're launching the actual courses. If you're interested, check out the events page and that'll link you off how to book a place on those courses. And of course, in the next podcast, which will be 2021, I'll be talking about my feelings about cybersecurity predictions for the future. And if anybody remembers the beginning of this year, I don't necessarily believe in cybersecurity predictions, but I'll talk about why that is, what some people are predicting for the future, and what my opinion on those are. Um, let me know your cybersecurity predictions, and maybe I'll talk about some of yours in the next podcast. But that's it for now. I will catch you in 2021.